Hey everybody, welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Ellen. And I'm Cody. And we are here, and we're back, and we're ready to get going. So this week, we're just going to jump in, okay? Uh, it's been a great week. Uh, last week we came out of, we talked about justification, um, and, and we're covering just a variety of great topics, and um, they're great because they're scripture. And here's something that we're really going to focus on probably for the next couple, maybe few weeks, is we're going to be talking to do a little session on our perspective of God. Um, Your perspective of God defines everything in your life. Absolutely. Um, How you wake up, how you eat, how you sleep. Perception is reality. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, when you look at, I mean, for instance, in the Old Testament, the Jews never said, oh, it's raining. They they never said that. They said, God has sent us rain. Their perspective was God did everything. God provided everything. We have sadly veered away from that. But we can get to a point where we can be like the Jews in the sense of that we see God in everything. Um, one thing we need to state, God's sovereign. I mean, God is in all controlling power. Um, this last Wednesday, I was with the fourth grade class, and we talked about Romans one sixteen, and that's our lesson we're in. I can't remember the title, but basically the two points we covered is God's Word is powerful. And then the, number two was God reveals salvation through His Word. And when you get into that, you talk about that, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, salvation, everyone who believes. Well, it's God's power. God That means God's in control of salvation. Not only is God in control of salvation, we talked about, and those kids realized, one of them said, so God reveals salvation. I was like, yeah. But not only that, God is in control of everything else. Um, in the sense of He created us, He provided trees, He provided water, He provided the breath that we have. And so we have to understand that if God is, uh, if, if He's omnipotent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if He's omniscient, like if He's all-powerful and He's all-knowing and, and He's omnipresent, which means He's everywhere, then like we have to understand, man, God, Your hand is on everything. Yep. And so what we want to talk about is that perspective because, for instance, if your perspective, and we're going to have some scenarios we're going to bring next week, but like, let's say your perspective is God is just judicial. Uh, you're going to think that it's either God rewards you or God punishes you. Like, if you're on the stand, right? Oh, man, I'm innocent. Woo, I'm good this time. But then the next time you're like, oh, man, I'm being punished. Well, th- that's the wrong perspective of God. We have to get in the scriptures to understand why God allows things to happen, good and bad. Um, for instance, if your perspective of God is like a candy machine, a fortune cookie, mm-hmm. like you just come to God and He gives you good things or He doesn't give you good things. Yep. I mean, He fills your belly and then you leave. Yep. Um, your perspective's wrong. Yep. Um, that could also tie into uh, like the prosperity gospel. If you do good things, God gives you finances. God gives you wealth. God gives you glory. Um, if your perspective is God is the your sidekick, like you do what you want and God's just kind of there, well, your perspective's wrong. But your perspective should be, I'm a servant to Christ. I'm a servant to God, and I want to have communion with Him. So we're going to come up, not come up, but I've, I've got a book we're going to use, and uh, I'm going to send to these guys this next week. And we're going to use that as our analogy source, and we're going to talk about those different scenarios. But this week, we would like to just kind of kick off with this whole perspective of God with a great uh, scriptural rebuttal from God Himself. Um, we're going to be in Job. And, you know, one thing about Job is, okay, um, in the beginning, you know, it talks about Job and his wealth, 
right? And one huge thing is um, God is on His throne, right? He's in His dwelling place, and it says that all the sons, all the angels, right? They gathered, and, and God speaks to Satan first. Satan doesn't speak to God first. God speaks to Satan first. And God allows Satan to tempt Job just to get the result that Job would curse God. God knows his children. He's sovereign, right? Um, and so catastrophe takes place in Job's life. I mean, uh, help me out, guys. He loses his farm, his animals, all his house, his yep. all of his children. I mean, to the point where all he his has... He- his health. Yeah, and all he has left is his wife, which is just like, you should just curse God and die. Um, but Job worships God after all that. He never cursed God. And everything he did, he never cursed God. But when you keep reading the book of Job, you get into the later chapters where Job's three friends show up, and they're terrible. They're not really helping him out. Um, They're just kind of telling him, Job, uh, because you've done something, or else God wouldn't have done this to you. Uh, Job, you must have done something terrible because God's really punishing you. And if you take the average run-of-the-mill everyday Christian who's you know not far along in their sanctification process, maybe a babe in Christ, or maybe they're not a babe in Christ uh, in, in years or days, but they are spiritual maturity. And you look at the story of Job just at that high level, and you think, well, Job had a good perspective mm-hmm. of God the whole time. Well, we'll talk about that too. And the way that Job talks about God is the same way that Abraham talks about God. And so that's why a lot of theologians think that the book of Job took place during Abraham's time. Mm-hmm. And Job lived on the outskirts of, I guess, what would have become Israel mm-hmm. and where Abraham's people would be. Um, actually, not Abraham, but some of the other patriarchs. I mean, the way Job talks is yes. just the Very same similar. way. And so you have to think, like, if Job's living on the outskirts, which that's what history points to, um, this is a man that just lives everyday life faithful to God, and then boom. I mean, everything happens. And you're right, Alan. I mean, that's a lot of people would say, shoot, they'd be like in the gospel. You know, when the Tower of Siloam fell on those Jews, and they're like, oh, man, they must have done something wrong. And Jesus is like... No, but unless you repent, you're going to likewise perish. Mm -hmm. People jump to that conclusion that, man, they got into a car wreck and somebody died, man. They must have cussed. Yeah, well. They must have done something. Or if somebody gets shot, they're like, well, if they wouldn't have been fooling around. But, like, you have to understand, there are situations where, like, yeah, you reap what you sow. If, If I go get into a scenario and something bad happens, that's on me. But you also have to understand that there are people that just live everyday life like they would by faith. And something just happens. And that's a perfect setup for this upcoming uh, series that we're going to talk about because you, you started it off perfect, Hunter, when you talked about God being omnipotent, God being all-present, God being all-powerful, God have all the attributes of deity and, and, and being sovereign. And then in reverse, what's our perspective of him? Mm-hmm. And there's our, our perspective yep. <laughs> of the situations that folks are living in and us passing judgment in our opinion and how valuable is that, really? Yeah. Our opinion. How how valuable is that? And that's the thing. It's like when we when something happens, a lot of times we want to put ourselves like in the spotlight of like, oh man, this is happening to me. Oh, woe is me. Yeah, and and then at that point, it's kind of like my opinions are becoming reality. And a lot of times, it's like you have to really step back because it's like you know when you look at Job. I mean, Job started out right. And he was worshiping. I mean, he the God that gives is the God that can take away. But blessed be the name of God, you know, the Lord. And then you look at his three friends. That really start pointing him in a bad direction. But ultimately, I I think Job gets to a point where he is kind of like, man, 
this stinks. Like, mm-hmm. God, why? What's going on? Yep. And then you get over here, like, you know, in 32, or let's 31, um, you know, in 30, Job's present state, okay, he talks about humility, okay, but in Job uh, 31, um, he talks about his integrity. He's like, I've made made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I look at a virgin? And what is the, the portion of God from above, or the inheritance of the Almighty on high? It is not a disaster to the criminal and to the misfortune to those who practice injustice. Does he not see my ways and count on my steps? If I have walked with deception, my foot has hurried after deceit. Let him weigh me with accurate scales and let God know my integrity. If my step has turned from the way or my heart followed... And I mean, Job's on point. But the problem is, is he's kind of putting all this in a question form. And the conversation he has with his friends, they're they don't help either. So all of a sudden you get over here in thirty-two. Or I just skipped a page. You get over here in like thirty-two. And okay, then these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Boom. Proverbs. That's a that's a problem. Yep. Uh but the anger of Elihu, the son of Rachel, the Buzzite of the family of Ram burned against Job. His anger burned because he justified himself before God. So it's like, in all these things that Job's talking about in Job 31, he's justifying himself, trying to figure out, well, I, I am right. I, I haven't done anything. But he rebukes him, right? And, I mean, Elihu lets him have it for like four or five chapters. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get over in Job 38. Now, here's the thing that I, I love about this. And I... I I look at Job and I sympathize because, man, I don't understand what it means to lose everything. But I also sympathize because some things that have happened to me in my life, I too have questioned God. But this is the thing. It's like God allows Elihu to absolutely rebuke the socks off of Job. And then after that's done, then God just speaks to Job himself. And so when you get after this rebuking takes place and you get into 38, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens the divine plan by words without knowledge? I love how the NASB says mm-hmm. that because, I mean, mm-hmm. think about this. God knows who Job is, right? I mean, God knew that Job would never curse. God knew that Job uh, would come out at the end and be restored. I mean, when God does something, it's for his glory. What men meant for evil, God meant for good. And all of a sudden, uh, God said, who is this? So, I mean, God, not, he's not looking around like, hey, guys, who, who, what's going on? Just like in the garden. Hey, Adam, where are you? I can't find you, peekaboo. Like, no, God knows yeah. where they are. God yeah. knows what's going on. But he questions Job because Job's been talking about his integrity, and he's trying to justify himself, and God's like, who are you? Yeah. Who is this? Mm-hmm. And he says, who is this that darkens the divine plan? So this is what Alan was talking about. A lot of times like we get to the point that we want to insert our own opinions. But we have to understand that as child children of God, like there's a divine plan. Um, for instance, if something takes place in mine and Haley's life, um, and it's a catastrophe, like let's say that I, I, I lose my life, that would be detrimental to Haley. That would hurt Haley. But ultimately, God would work it out for the good. good. And that would be a part of his divine That's plan. Because think about this. Let's say that I lose my life. right? Let's say God takes me out tomorrow. 
And at my funeral, my lost friends show up and hear the gospel and someone gets saved. To God be the glory. That was his will. And Haley would be okay. God would take care of her as well. And so when you look at this, a lot of times like God has a divine plan that's going on. Now, when we look at how God works through our mistakes, uh, for instance, I'm going to use Cody. Uh, Cody made a mistake. You can go listen to that podcast a few episodes ago. Okay, God's divine plan worked through Cody's mistake. God was sovereign. Mm -hmm. Uh, God knew what Cody was going to do, but God knew how he would restore Cody, but worked through Cody. Mm -hmm. And and this is the thing. It's not like God didn't know Cody was going to make a mistake. It's not like he was sitting there and he's like, oh man, what am I going to do now? No, God sovereignly foreknew that that would take place and he determined everything. And so when we look at this, God's like, who, who darkens my divine plan? Look, with, by words without knowledge. A lot of times we get to that point that we want to insert our own opinions about what's taking place. We're saying words and we have no clue what's going on. And I love that God says words without knowledge because there's one thing that the three of us, not just the three of us, everyone that listens to this, everyone in the world, there's one thing we don't have knowledge of and that's what happens tomorrow. Yep. We have no clue. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the future. I can't tell you what's going to happen today. And that's one knowledge that humanity doesn't have. And so for God to look at Job and say, hey, you're speaking words without knowledge. God's declaring, hey, buddy, you're ta- trying to figure something out that you can't. You can't. You, you're not, you don't get all the pieces of the puzzle. No. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't have the equipment to make that assessment, make it accurate. We're you not can't God. Do it. We can't do it. You're making a bird's eye view statement. <clears throat> from the ground level. And what I'm really stoked about about this whole topic and this whole conversation is the fact that there is so much peace. There's so much assurance. There's so much consolation. When your perspective of God gets right and you understand who he is and how he has you right in the palm of his hand and that plan for you is perfect. Absolutely. Accepting that, surrendering to that, and trusting him completely like Abba. You know what I'm saying? Trusting. And this, and this is the thing. It's like, even when you look at what we do for the church, here's the thing. If your mentality is, well, if I become more faithful and I do more things, then God's going to move me up the chain. That's wrong. It is. This it is, is not a Fortune 500 company. Because, that's and not the, how and it the, works. And the reason and the reason when I, when I make statements, and you guys hear me, and the guys that listen to the podcast hear me make references to folks who maybe were, you know, stymied in their sanctification process or they were lethargic in their whatever. I'm not insulting you. I'm speaking from experience. This is a place that God Mm -hmm. brought me through. So when I say those things, I can look back now and see how God's developed me through those things. And uh, that encouraged me about this topic particularly. And when you look at that mentality, it's like, okay, faithful and little, faithful and much. And it's like, you could serve in a Sunday school class and just be faithful and content with where God has you. Has you, And then one day he moves you somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, it's really not dependent on my abilities or what I do. It's just God's plan. He's yeah. going to work it out. And it's like when you look at this whole works thing, it's even like a conversation I, I had the other night um, at my in-laws was like, when you look at what people even try to do for salvation, it's dead works. Like, it could be baptism, it could be a tongue, it could be trying to keep... The, it's a dead work. No, God's sovereign. And so when we look at the Christian life, we still have that mentality, God's sovereign, and we have to keep that. And it's like Job. God says, okay, you're speaking words without knowledge. Okay, look at three. Now tighten the belt on your waist like a man, and I should I ask you, and you inform me. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, God's basically like, all right, big boy. Put your pants on. Pull them up. Like, tighten up. Because it's getting ready to get real for you. And 
you know, here's God, and God doesn't have to say anything. Um, this is, I mean, I believe that God's speaking all this and just laying this out, not because he actually wants to know Job's answer. It's just because he wants to change Job's perspective and put him in his place of like, hey, hey, buddy, th- th- I want you, He want, God cares enough about Job that he wants him to understand where he stands and, and where God and, stands. And here's the awesome part. God is so omnipotent that he knows that about me. He knows that about you. He knows that about every individual that is, and, and, and what it takes to mature them, to develop them, to get them to a place of sanctification. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like when God tells him this, I, I mean, what I love about this is a lot of times before you internalize truth and like really realize something, a lot of times it takes a stern statement yes. to get you to open your eyes. And I'm like that Smack too. in the mouth. And so yeah. when we look at this, God's like, tighten your belt like a like a uh, on your waist like a man and you got to think job's probably wearing like you know the typical robe that we imagine made out of cloth or made out of animal skin and they always have a sash that goes yeah. around their waist to hold everything and so just imagine like job's god's telling job like hey grab that thing and pull it like tighten that thing and he says i'm going to ask you and you answer me and so he has now told job get to the point job get ready Answer me these questions if you have this figured out. And he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Mm -hmm. Tell me. If you have understanding, who set its measurements? Since you know, or who stretched the measuring line over it? Or on on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who enclosed the sea with doors when it went out? From the womb bursting forth, when I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness and swaddling bands, and I placed boundaries on it, and set of bolts and doors, and I said, as far as this point you shall come, but no farther. And here your proud waves shall stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning, and made the dawn know its place, so that it would take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked would be shaken off from it? So not only did God create those things, but God trained those things, mm-hmm. and gave them their exact orders on when they rise and when they go down. And yet he cared enough about Job to break this down in an understandable Both. manner, because he loved him. And when you get to, like, okay, listen to this. Uh, Let's see. Okay. Have the gates of death been revealed to you? And have you seen the gates of the deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if if you know all this, you know. I love how God throws that. Just go ahead. Tell me. Uh, Where is the way of the dwelling lot? In darkness, where is its place that you would take it to its territory and discern the past to its... It's there at home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered in the storehouses of snow, and have you seen the storehouses of hell, which I have reserved for a time of distress, for a day of war and battle? Where is the way that the light is divided, and the east wind scattered on the earth? Who has split open a channel for the flood, a way for the thunderbolt, to bring rain on a land with, without people, on a desert or a desert without a person in it? To satisfy the waste in the desolate land, to make the seeds of grass sprout. Does the rain have a father? Or has fathered the drops of dew? From whose womb has come the ice of the frost of heaven? Who has given it birth? Water becomes hard like stone, and the surface of the deep is imprisoned. Can you tie up the chains of the Pilatus? Or untie the cords of Oren? 
Can, can you bring out a constellation in its season and guide the bear with her satellites? Do you know the ordinances of the heaven or establish their rule of earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds so that an abundance of water will cover you? Can you send flashes of lightning so that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind? Who can count the clouds by wisdom or pour out uh, the water jars of heaven? When the dust hardens into a mass and the clods stick together, can you hunt the prey for the lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their hiding place and lion wait in their lair? Who prepares feed for the raven when it cries to God and wander about without food? And then all of a sudden, God keeps going. And he starts talking about animals. I mean, he's talking mountain goats. You know what time mountain goats give birth, Joe? You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it gets so specific, guys. I mean, listen to this. I'm going to go down through here. Uh, do you make, uh, do you give the horse its might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like locusts? His majestic snorting is frightening. His paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet for battle. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. Uh, when you go down through here, it's still talking about, let's go, actually, let's go up. Look here. Um, the wings of the ostrich flap joyously with the opinion of feathers, for she abandons her egg to the earth and warms them in the dust. You see what I'm saying? Like, here's Job complaining, right? And he, he's bringing all of these things and trying to justify himself before God about everything that's taken place in his life. And God absolutely responds perfectly to Job, but perfectly for humanity to read. Exactly. And I mean, God's like, did you tell the ostrich to cover the egg with dust? Uh, did you create snow? Do you have hell stored up for a day of wrath? Do you... Tell the clouds how far they can go. Do you have? Do you, can you call upon rain just to fall down? Um, do you help the lions? Do you help feed them? Or the raven that wanders about hungry? Do you know how to feed him? Or the horse? Have you made him so majestic but yet so mighty? And all of a sudden, the Lord says to Job in verse in chapter forty, verse two: Will, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Well, the one who's wrong contend with God in this. And I'm telling y'all, as much as this is for Job, it's for Hunter. Well, the fault finder, well, the one who is trying to justify themselves, rebuke, will he contend with God? Look, let him who rebukes God give an answer. I mean, God's saying, if you're the fault finder, if you're the one that's trying to find a mistake and trying to justify and explain why I've done and that you're so good, Job, okay, if you're going to rebuke me, then answer me. After everything God's told him, he says, give me an answer. And Job, like everyone else, says, behold, I'm insignificant. What can I say in response to you? I put my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not reply, or twice, and I will add nothing more. Then the Lord answered Job from a world and said, now tighten the belt on your waist like a man. I will ask you, and you instruct me, will you really nullify my judgment. Will you make it empty? Will you condemn me so that you may be justified? Job, are you going to condemn what I did to make yourself look better? Mm-hmm. Or do mm-hmm. you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like His? Adorn yourself with pride and dignity and clothe yourself with honor and majesty. Let out your er- outburst of anger and look at everyone who is arrogant and humble him. 
Look at everyone who is arrogant and humble him. And trample down the wicked where they stand. And then all of a sudden, when you get over here in chapter 40, God's power is shown in creatures. He talks about the Leviathan. He starts talking about all sorts of stuff. And God questions him in all of these things again. But listen to what Job says in chapter 42. Job answers the Lord, and this is again, okay? I know that you can do all things, and that no plan is impossible for you. Who is this who conceals advice without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Please listen, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I retract. I repent, (laughs) sitting on dust and ashes. Bingo. And that's the thing. It's like, Job's like, I've heard you, but guess what? I see you. Yeah. Job's perspective was wrong. When he was trying to justify himself and explain God's wrath, he was wrong. It wasn't God's wrath. It was God's judgment. But it was also God's will. It was God's plan. And this is the thing. Yes, God allowed those things to happen, but we see that Job's restored at the end of this. And this is the thing that I love, is that God didn't leave Job's friends out either. He was very displeased with Job's friends because of their influence. But yet, what we see here is a man who got his perspective readjusted. Because, guys, let's be honest, and I'm saying this, I know we can be harsh saying, hey, make sure your perspective's right, but let's be honest. When things get hard, all of us, our perspective starts to fall apart just a little bit because we're looking at the circumstances. And, you know, I'm not trying to spiritualize this, but Peter had it right when he was walking on water while he was looking at Christ. But when he got distracted, he started to really lose his perspective of where it was supposed to be. Yeah. And this is the the reality. It's like, hey, we understand. Um, there are things that my wife and I have to discuss maybe once a week that are going on. And we have to remember God's good. And he's good all the time. And this is the reality is like, even like for us, and this is something that like we have people praying for. It's like, you know, for us, like we want to start a family. And sometimes it's not that easy. And we had to have that conversation early. Is like, hey, if this doesn't work, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Like God's good. Yeah. But see, we had to make sure our perspective was in check because it would be easy to say, God, why? Why? And we have to have that that accountability. Like, hey, we we've got to stay encouraged. We've Absolutely. got to rejoice. Absolutely. And it, it's, I'm not accusing everybody of being as fickle as I am, but I have to do that continually. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it, you may have to fight that battle again later, ten, twenty years down the road, Hunter. But the fact that our perspective of God is not consistently the same is a battle that we have to fight in the spiritual warfare that we're in continually. And you know, it's it's like this. Jake and Brooke have a friend um, that's been confined to a wheelchair for a long time. And one thing that, jo- that Jake talks about with this friend of theirs is that she's never asked God why. And I thought, I couldn't have done that. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like when you look at people whose faith is so strong that they don't even say why. That should encourage us. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't know what's going on in your life right now. And I don't know what's going on 
everything that's going on in Alan and Cody's life. I have good. We talk a lot, so we have some good ideas. But it's like I can think of a time in their lives, in my life, and they can think of a time in mine and theirs that like tragedy struck mm-hmm. or sickness came on somebody. And you have to be accountable with your spouse. But you have to be accountable with what the Word says. You have to make sure your perspective remains consistent with a sovereign God. Because if it can, you can learn through the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to rejoice in those moments. And sometimes... We got to be like Job, man. Yep. We just God's got to readjust us. Yeah, whether absolutely. it's through somebody who God sends to rebuke us, and that's a, that's 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 another important function of the local body. That accountability to where you come together and, and you bear one another's burdens. Yes. And sometimes my perspective gets dysfunctional, gets out of joint, and it needs to be corrected. And that accountability amongst my brethren in Christ, done out of love, is done for. Not just admonishment, but for the kingdom's sake, yeah. for the betterment of the, 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 the body of Christ yeah. as a whole. I thought Cody was going to say something. Oh, I did. I, I got some things wrote down when I was praying and studying on this last night. You know, God was God cared enough about Job that he actually, he, God didn't have to let Job know anything, anything of what he was doing because he's God and Job's Job and he couldn't understand it. But what God was trying to remind of Job and he's trying to remind us is that God and in his infinite, he is of infinite power, infinite mm-hmm. knowledge, infinite wisdom. He knows where everything is, what's going on around us. Okay. We are a three dimensional being. We only see the world through three dimensions. God is infinite, infinitely outside of this universe, outside of space, time, matter. So, we see things through a very narrow perspective, and that's where faith comes into play because humans, as humans, we can only understand a world and a system and circumstances that we're in control of because our flesh wants us to be the God of our own life. I am in control. Like you said, taking a shift, it may seem fearful at first, a shift of I'm not in control. I have absolutely no say in what happens around in my life. I have choices to make, but I'm not the one who puts my the surroundings, the circumstances, when you change your perspective, there's a freedom in that. There is a faith in that because if, if we had a God that we could comprehend in our very small minds, he wouldn't be worthy of our worship. He is beyond our understanding, our knowledge, and what he is doing is not for us to know because even if he did reveal it to us, we couldn't understand it. But we can cling on to his promises that he makes throughout Scripture. You know, Romans 5a, everything's going to work out for the good for those who love and are called according to his purpose. God is trying to, he loves us so much that he's trying to give us an understanding of you may not understand what is happening in your life right now. And by the world standards, it is bad, but it is going to work out for my glory. And in turn, if you are his elect, his chosen, it will work out for your benefit in the end. So changing your perspective is a great thing, but God was showing Job he is in no place to question why God was doing what he was doing because it's God's universe and not Job's. And God, he was telling Job, you are the creation. I am the creator. And he said, and we can only understand a system in a world that we make and comprehend. God is the only one that is all-knowing. We are not called to understand, but to trust and to obey.